Welcome to the Coffee Cast with Cation and Rubin, powered by Behind the Racket, the podcast dedicated to looking at the top issues facing tennis and getting to know the players facing them. Visit BehindTheRacket.com for the latest stories, merch, as well as direct links to all of the latest podcasts. The Coffee Cast can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcasts. Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. Special thanks to our sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at newbalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at MikeCTennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. And now. So this is our first off-season podcast. Uh, Mike Cation and Noah Rubin joining you from Illinois. No, I'm not in Illinois anymore. God, it's just <laughs> reflex. It's just fucking reflex here. Uh, from Oklahoma and your new crib in uh, New York. Oh, yeah. Um, happy, happy belated Thanksgiving to you. To you as well. I'm thankful uh, I, for I, you, I, by the way. As am I uh, for myself. Right. Um, how, how was the time with the family? Oh, it was good. Obviously, putting in many hours that I wouldn't normally have to actually, you know, furnish my place and, and get everything ready for the new year. But yeah, no, it was good. Uh, go to a few households, spend time with the girlfriend, make sure everybody's happy and try to enjoy myself in that time as well. But uh, I made my famous fall sangria, which mm. I don't usually do the alcohol, but I, I make sangria quite well, which I'm sure you would enjoy very much. I Hey. I think um, I think you're you're allowed to have. I believe this is the downtime in which you are allowed to imbibe on alcohol, should you choose. Yeah, yeah. I think we're going quickly into the topic, one of the topics we want to talk about. But yeah, we don't have much time off as tennis players, as people may know. You know, we had this joke with Eubanks that people think that our season's done after the Open, which it is not. We have right. many months after that. Um, I've been unfortunate to be out with an injury, but working three, four hours a day right now on rehab, getting back into it, which I will be hitting my first ball today while this podcast is being recorded, which is, yes, very exciting. Um, but yeah, you don't have much time off. You got to enjoy it. You got to really, and it's not easy to take time off as mostly tennis players can attest to. We can't stop. So to actually stop, take a second out, I know... You know something about this. It's not an easy thing to do. You, um, yeah, you have essentially about a month and a half. Um, did you watch any of the Davis Cup? I did. You did. I found myself burned out, and I couldn't watch it. And I, I you know, obviously I kept up with it on Twitter um, essentially just to kind of make sure I knew what was happening and, and saw obviously what, what uh, Canada did um, in terms of reaching the final and then Rafa being Rafa. But, you know, Vashik Pospisil after um, dominating in Charlottesville and then having a, a decent week in Knoxville as well and then going to Davis Cup and just having an incredible week. But I found myself so burned out and I, I, I saw that on Twitter as well that there were some people who just couldn't quite get into it and it's just that reminder again that it's so long the season is so long and you people just want a little bit of a break it is such an incredible event you know regardless of how you feel the new rule changes are with davis cup 
Right. It is still Davis Cup, and it's still country versus country, and the the Hopman Cup just doesn't compare to something like this. You need the Davis Cup action. So with that being said, why is it? You know, we have to look. You know, we have to look inside the system of tennis and say why is it that true tennis fans can't get involved in it, and that is solely because of how long the seasons are. And we talk about this a lot. There are a lot of tournaments that I feel aren't bringing the spectators that we hope to see. And then during events that should have those spectators, they're just burnt out, just like the players. So it's a really tough system that I think we've created this snowball effect that doesn't allow for the sport to develop solely because of how long the seasons are. And I think I think real change has to come upon us to again, look inside and say, hey, this is a an event that people love, that people wait year all year for, but now people are just too tired. It's it's been too long of a season for them to really, you know, wanna, you know, stay up at night and watch it. Or they're like, ah, oh, it's okay. I've seen so much tennis this year. Let's just move on and, and get ready for Australia, which the players do it well sometimes. That being said, the the players who were there, the level of competition was extremely high. Like the level of investment of the players who were there was extremely high. I mean, look at Rafa. For God's sakes. I mean, listen, he is a different animal. He is, <laughs> he is a unique human being. Um, but yeah, his his level of buy-in was fantastic. Like I mentioned, Vashik, um, the, the level of buy-in for the Canadian team was unbelievable. But even the Americans, I mean, they were bought in. Um, and if, I, I, yeah, if there's any yeah. event that's going to get them out of a mental slump of just exhaustion, it's going to be Davis cup. But I just, I feel like everything that we do in tennis right now is a bandaid is, is just, you know, we're going to put this on and we're going to deal with the issues when they come and not having this foreshadowing mentality of wait, they've played 11 months and we're adding tournaments to the schedule. Like five years from now, something's going to go wrong. It's just inevitable that we're going to lose players. There's going to be exhaustion. There's going to be a higher um, rate of injury, but we don't. Right now, we're looking at it like, okay, we know this works. Let's just throw it in when we can and hope for the best. And, and I get, and it makes me, obviously, the guys at the top aren't doing it this way, but I don't know if they're looking five years from now like that, like what do you want to be in five years? I don't think they're looking at that question deep enough. Where are we at in terms of what the players are going to be doing in Australia, in terms of unionization, in terms of kind of essentially, it just, every time we have these discussions, you and I, it just makes me think again of how, if you look at the NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, any of those major sports, the players are separate from the organization. And where are we at with that? Because that's the I, I know there are so many rumors going on about what's going to happen in Australia right now for the players. Yeah, um, I don't necessarily see it going through. I think I don't think there was enough groundwork necessarily for it to go through, and I think we're fighting kind of a losing battle at times. Um, with that being said, yes, there were a lot of things put in action by Vashik and Djokovic and other players during meetings. But with that being said, I mean, we're talking about 100 players, 80 to 100 players not playing 
one of the four biggest tournaments of the year, not only in just points and, and just the tournament itself, but in prize money. I mean, this is right. where you make your money for a lot of players. I mean, you know, when people say, oh, you make so much money off the court if you're 75 in the world. Well, a lot of it is, is made during those slams. If you're 75, I don't know if your endorsement deals are really cutting it right now, but if you're making two, three, four hundred thousand dollars just from slams, that's that's your income right there. So right. I don't see it necessarily being a push. And, you know, no matter how, you know, I'm going to call Djokovic out a little bit. He's in the race, you know, no matter how yeah. much he says he's not, he's in the race for slams. And that's going to be on his mind. And is he going to now he has an easier road because 50 guys pulled out of the tournament? I just don't see it really. And we need what we didn't have was the help of Federer and Nadal at the time. Right. And those guys are tennis. <laughs> you know how much, yeah, you know, right. no matter how much you want to argue it, they are tennis. And if those guys aren't supporting it, you're telling me that, you know, instead of the number 75 guy in the world, they have me in the second round, which I'd be very happy with, but they have me in the second, third round of the slam. The slams don't care. They don't care. They want to see Federer holding a trophy again. And if they get right. that with maybe a few other guys, which is a cool storyline, they're fine. I don't know. I, I think it's a little bit of entitlement. You know, yes, there is no tennis without us. But again, it has to be all of us. There is not right. a little piece that could be missing because I, you know it all too well, too. If Federer is holding that trophy at the end... And maybe there's a number 45 guy in the world that made it to semis and a couple weird ones. And nobody cares. They don't care. They're happy with what's happening. So that's a tough one. I, if I was a betting man, that's a tough one to put my money on. I don't know what you think about it. I think it has to happen. At some point, I, 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 I agree with you. I don't think it's going to happen in January. But I, I think back and, you know, you think about a history lesson for, for baseball. Um, Kurt Flood is kind of just a minor name in terms of what he did baseball-wise on the field, but he was the guy who just kind of stepped back and said, I, I don't like being essentially owned by Major League Baseball. I want to own myself. And I think we have to get to a point where enough players are willing to do that. I don't know that you can sacrifice necessarily a Grand Slam because of the fact that you mentioned you have people who are willing, who are A, you have the people who are fighting for history, and then B, you have the, the, the people who are fighting for survival financially. So I don't think it's going to happen at a slam. In an individual just, sport, yeah. let's say there's somebody that is 150 in the world. And that guy is courageous and says, I'm taking a stand. Right. Number 151 will be ecstatic to be right. 150 in the world. That's exactly right. So there is an issue with that. That's what we're dealing with in these non-contractual, non-team environments. This is this is the epidemic that we're in that they're like, okay, we'll get the next guy. And there's always a next guy right now. So if we don't come in and say the top 250 players are not playing, which that will be the over 150 players are not playing, that's when you'll start seeing major impacts. But if just 20 guys in that top 150 stay, it's still, it's still a sport, right. you know? Right, and I, I think ultimately it's going to, in terms of player health, in terms of player finances, For again, we're talking about the players outside of the top 50 here. Um, in, in terms of all of those things 
being looked after, it will take sacrifices from the players at the top to say, we need to separate. We need to have our own player union so that we are represented fully. Um, and, and then we can actually have some good discussions between the ATP and its players to really further how we can work together to, to get the sport to, to this next level. Well, question, because I, I always talk about this, and I, I don't know if I asked your opinion on it. Do I frown upon the 7% that men get and the 7% that women get out of the full pot? Of course. The budgeting is off. But how do we shit on organizations that basically pay our paychecks more than anybody else does? And that's why I've always fought against the idea that there's something that has to change in the sport so there's more revenue as total. I mean, do you think this is the first fight we should be fighting? I guess that's the question. Yes, I do. Okay. And I, 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 frankly, I don't think – I think framing it as shitting on an organization is just not the right way to do it. This is this is in this is about taking care of of yourself. Right. Right. It's not saying that the this organization is not taking care of you because they're they are doing the best that they can of taking care of players and its tournaments. We hope. Right. But <laughs> yeah. Right. But that's you know and, and nothing against anybody at the ATP. I mean they're they're trying to do the best that they can. But in terms of players looking out for themselves, and making sure that they are. Um, taken care of in terms of the health benefits, in terms of a guaranteed income, in terms of all of those things that are necessary for outside of the players outside of the top 50. I mean, I, I think it's a necessity. And yes, I do think it's the most important thing because again, I, then you have collective bargaining agreements where you can say, okay, let's make this, you know, again, this is drastic, but to your point, 50% individual, 50% team. I mean, then you can start working towards that type of, a, a, you know, a, an end goal. I guess, and I agree with everything you said, I guess maybe I didn't frame the question perfectly because I do agree. I, I'm just wondering if all our efforts should be aimed at grand slams or should a lot of the efforts be aimed at unionizing a little bit more and making sure we have contracts. I mean, oh, yeah. Okay. I guess I guess my question is, should we be fighting the Grand Slams as much as we are? Which, again, I agree, the budgeting is definitely skewed. We should not be getting 14% total out of the, of the pot. But should all our effort go to that direction when that's where we're making our most money, A? Two, we love all those tournaments. And three, maybe there are more important battles to fight first. Right. No, I – Okay. So I, I don't think it necessarily has to come at the expense of, say, the Australian Open. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think any of that has to come at the expense of the Australian Open. I also just don't think you, you've, you specifically have called for pretty drastic change. Right. I don't think, I don't think you're even going to get minor change unless this bigger change of we are representing ourselves happen. 100%. So that's just my thought. So that's your first step? Yes. Okay. No, I, I totally agree. I, I You know... Even my father laughed. I mean, people are laughing. They're like, "Wait, how do how do you make a decision? How do you how do you know you're protected?" And we're like, "We don't." Right. So yes, it is a must. I mean, you know, we have to <laughs> we have to trust. Right now, we're trusting that the people that have to pay themselves and have to make sure that a sport of tennis is run as smoothly as possible yeah. put the players first, which it's just not going to happen every time. It just really isn't. It can't. And, and again, I, I actually have a lot of respect for the people at the ATP um, who are doing the best that they can to make sure that two sides are served. 
um, the tournaments and its players, as well as obviously the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a tough task. Um, but yeah, if, if I'm inside that player's locker room, I'm just saying I want to make sure we have guaranteed income. I want to make sure we have better protection for health care for when we are missing time um, due to you know, extended injury breaks. Um, and so I think, I think ultimately for the long-term health of its sport, I think you want to protect the players. Um, and so that's why I think it's really important for there to be a, a, a strong, whether you want to call it the player council, whether you want to call it a union, whatever you might want to call it, um, just, just gotta better be representation for the players um, than there is. No, that's 100% right, and I can attest to the leave of absence when I am furnishing a place on a budget of zero dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, and, I, and I know we're, we're going to try to talk to Bjorn Fertangelo over the next couple of weeks um, as well to talk about um, just that injury component. Yes. Um, and and I, I also I did want to ask you, did you watch the Andy Murray documentary yet? I have not yet. I, I definitely I have watched to get it on last that. night. And? Um, I wanted to go to bed last night uh, at 11 o'clock so I could get up early this morning and, and get prepared for the podcast. And I'm doing a, a, a segment day so I can upgrade my status on American Airlines. So and I'm then about it was to take 1 a.m. <laughs> five flights. Yes, it was so good. It okay. was. And I know Taylor Fritz mentioned that he's super motivated after having watched it. I mean, this, this guy's fire and uh, the, the depth passion. that he went through to get back to the sport. Um, and, and how, how much, how deep he had to dig, um, time after time to get back. But I found myself thinking about you. Um, if you were in this situation, if Bjorn Fratangelo is in this situation and you have had this hip pain for 15 months, 18 months, would you get that surgery and get metal implanted in your hip so you could play again? With where you're at, rankings-wise, no fucking chance. Sorry, I love you, but no, no fucking chance are you doing that. It's a, it's a tough one. It, it, it's a tough one, but at the same time, you know, and this kind of leads into what I wanted to talk about quickly because we just passed Thanksgiving and we have to be a little bit cheesy. Um, <laughs> at the same time, I think the love that we have for the sport as tennis players, no matter how poorly we talk about it, no matter how many times I say I want to quit, we love this sport so much. We really do. I've dedicated my life to it. I've sacrificed. Do you even consider a sacrifice? That's always the, the argument, but I have sacrificed a lot of my life for this sport. Yes. I I really, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would have the same, fire <laughs> but here, i would here, like to but hope here's I my would. point yes would you have the finances to be able to do that surgery mm. the finances to do that recovery the ability to have essentially two years with no income while you rehab i would have to ask my parents to remortgage again yeah. i mean um that's uh I've taken two months off. It's been about two, right. two months now. And again, I'm furnishing a place, so it's a little unique. But I'm living on not – I mean, I'm budgeting very little amount of money per day because I'm making zero, zero. Right. 
and it is brutal. And not only, and now it's three months because there's an off season, which you don't make a dollar. So I'm just waiting for that check that Australian Open hands me as soon as I walk through <laughs> the door, so I can finally see some money. And you know, and and I actually have behind the racket. And we have a podcast. We do a million things. So, I mean, somebody else even ten spots lower than me without anything. It's such a dark hole. It is a constant barrier. I mean, if that's what you're going into, I mean, I, I guess I didn't watch the documentary. I don't know if they go into finances of actually how much and they how don't. long of time. Yeah. But I can only imagine. I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. Which he has. Which he has. And he's continually God getting bless him. money. He's earned it. And he's earned it. We're not taking away from him. But the fact that I can't even get back to a sport I love. Or I would literally be homeless while trying to fight back to it is right. is so dark and gleamy. But that's that's the position that we're in. But again, it's uh, I, I think people underestimate how much, and that's why we do all all of these podcasts, all the behind the rackets. I wouldn't be doing this stuff and highlighting all the issues if I didn't like the sport. I would just say, ah, oh, right. it's not working out well. Let me move on my way. I. We, I would die for this sport because this is what I've dedicated my life to. But there are issues with it. But again, at the end of the day, I am thankful for everything the sport has given me. Yeah. I'm so happy. I'm in the best state of mind. I was talking to Jamie, and I, I was saying I'm in the best mental state I've been in. This with this is with a two month injury and no dollars. I'm in the best mental state because I'm I'm happy. I'm 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 figuring out even if the sport doesn't change how to be a part of it. And how to be happy in it, and I and I, I look at you, and you're you found your ways to be happier within the sport as well, and it's great to see us doing it t- together. But you know, it takes time, and it, and it takes a, it really does. I'm giving us credit. It takes a, a unique person to highlight the issues, but at the same time, enjoy it while it's here, kind of thing. And, and I think yeah. we've done that well. I, I actually, what's funny, because I said to my both of my parents this, this weekend uh, for Thanksgiving, I said, I'm in the best mental state I've been in in years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think it's because of the fact that, that yeah, I have, I have a different perspective now uh, of what this sport is giving me, right. um, what, what I'm able to take out of it. Um, and I think it's also paid off in terms of my broadcasting, my commentary, I feel much more invested now um, than I ever have before. Um, and so that's been a lot of fun for me to just kind of develop and grow. And yeah, I think it's, it's we're, we're, geez, my cat just had an epic fit in front of me here. Uh, <laughs> apologies. Um, but I think we're at this really unique spot where I think there's going to be some pretty drastic change here over the next couple of years. I really feel like we're, we're going to see a, a massive either growth or, you know, plummet. You've got Nadal and Federer. As much as we joke about it, they they can't play forever. Um, so that those two are going to go away at some point. Um, you know, and, and th- th- we're listen. We're just talking about on the men's side here. Serena is not going to be able to play for very much longer right. as well. And she um, is woman. Uh, you you could fight it all you want, but she's a large part, if not women's tennis, and that's just how it goes. And we're hoping yes. that people and players like them. Okay, they could take some time off, and I know it's not my right to say this, but with great power comes great responsibility, that bullshit that you always hear. They are who they are. I'm hoping they see that and want to 
be a part of the sport again. And I know that's so tough and, and to ask. And, you know, you have Serena as a parent and, and, and all these and, and Federer as a parent and Nadal probably is a future father. And I know they're going to be busy, but it is almost in their hands to make change in the sport. I mean, if you have three of the greatest tennis players of all time, four or five, whatever, say we got issues, we have to change today. I'm going to bet that there's going to be some change made. Yeah, it's just hard to do when they have been, they've earned it, but they are financially set for life. They've got the sponsorships for life. Um, and so it's it's hard to then look at the granular level and say, yeah, we need to change those type of things. I think I think of all of them, Federer is the one who I actually have the most hope for because he's spoken about it. Right. I, I, I don't know that I necessarily see that from Serena or, or Nadal specifically. I Although Nadal has put together a challenger lately. Yeah. And I don't think it's necessarily their responsibility. I actually don't know that that, that is their responsibility. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying I'm hoping Serena sees Coco Goff coming up, the yeah. next, one of the next young Americans, and say, yes, she's going to be probably the same success, if not more, if not less, just around the area. Just seeing the people around them, having Nadal see somebody, one of the guys that he trains with in Mallorca or wherever, and yeah. he's 180 in the world or 300 in the world, and say, wait, I may have a chance to make a better tour for him. Make Maybe he's not going to be top 200 in the world, but he may be able to still make a little bit of cash being 250, 300 in the world. Or he's 150 in the world. Let's make him have a good life and a good living like that's the hope is that they have predecessors where we say i want to make a new lane for them that, right that's, that's really what i'm hoping for i think that's a good way to end it um because i've got to get on literally five flights here in the next um hour and a half um, and I will be, <laughs> I'm going to actually be producing this podcast while on one of my five flights. I'm going to Sioux City today hmm. uh, for the first time in my life, and I will be in that Sioux City airport for approximately an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, so if you happen to be flying through Sioux City today, uh, stop by and say hello. <laughs> Mike C. Tennis. <laughs> <laughs> um, but make, hey, listen, we're going to be doing some of the um, listener suggestions over the last couple of weeks and months we're going to try to get those in during this off season while we've got about four weeks before um, both Noah and I head down to Australia we're going to try to get to those we're going to try to get to Bjorn Fratangelo as well and hopefully some other surprise guests uh, along the way um, but Noah uh, I you you look comfortable in your apartment um, that is that is a very warm blanket that you look like you have behind you right now as I as I stare at you. Yeah, no. Uh, again, wouldn't have this time to furnish a place. It is actually coming together. I'm very excited about it, and to actually hit a tennis ball today, I'm thrilled. So, things are moving. Things are moving, and some big behind the racket stuff working on. Excited for the next few podcasts coming up. We're in a good place right now, and uh, I know we're usually not this nice and cheesy, but and don't get too comfortable with it, listeners, yeah. because we're going to be assholes to each other very soon. Yes. Um, we just yeah. haven't seen each other for a few weeks, yeah, so it's, it's just, you know, just missing no, each so, other. So just, yeah, I know, and <laughs> and I'm sorry again. There's a little been a little bit of inconsistency, but no, we're going to be a lot more organized. We're we're getting it done, and yeah, we're excited for what's to come. There's a lot of good things on the horizon, and uh, I think we're actually you know, making some difference. So let's keep it going. The show might be over, but the conversation isn't. 
Join us on social media at NoRuben33 and at MikeCTennis. We want to hear your opinions and stories behind the racket. Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us ratings on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you behind the racket on the Coffee Cast with Cation and Ruben.